driving force behind a lot of what we do at Seed is, well, can you actually try and discern what your part is in God's story by working out who he has particularly made you to be and working out where he has called you or placed you and from that foundation then work out what is God's design for you in that place and what is God's design for that place and if we can work those things out we don't need to solve the world's problems we don't have to have all the answers we don't have to love the whole world actually God never tells us to love the whole world we can sort of simplify things and just say okay I understand God what you intend for me and what you intend for the place where you've put me and I want to try and work to align myself and my place with what you intend and I believe that as I do that both me and that place will flourish. Welcome to the Redemptive Changemakers podcast with your host John Beckett. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Redemptive Changemaker podcast. This is a, an exciting moment for us as we launch this new podcast into the world, and you're in for a real treat with this first episode. I invited two of my uh, most favorite people, Michelle Farrell and Anthony Sell, two people who are deeply embedded in the community of Seed, where I work, uh, to come and join me in a conversation about some of the backstory of why this podcast came to be, why Seed, the organization that's uh, backing this podcast came to be, and also just some of the ideas that we think are really important as we look at growing people who have a redemptive impact in society. I think you're going to find this a rich conversation, and I hope that you enjoy it and get a lot out of it. Well, welcome everyone to the Redemptive Changemaker podcast. I'm John Beckett, or JB, as most people know me, and I'm founder and CEO of Seed. And if you don't know who Seed is, we're an organisation who's, I guess our driving purpose is is really to try and invest in the growth of people so that they can have a redemptive impact right where they are, in the community or the workplace where God's placed them. And I guess this new po- podcast, Redemptive Changemaker podcast, is focused on really trying to do two things. One of those is to tell the stories of God at work beyond the walls of the church in ordinary people's lives as they seek to faithfully follow Jesus where they are and for that to be an encouragement to you as you listen. And the second thing is really to try and intentionally learn from those stories as well and from those people um, because we think that in those stories there's, there's some sort of essence that we can capture that helps us and you as you listen to try and make a difference where you are as well. So that's what we're trying to do through this podcast and I'm really excited um, as we launch into this first series to introduce you to some really amazing people but for this first episode what we really want to try and do is I guess unpack a little bit of the backstory of seed but also dig into some of the ideas that shape the stories that we tell on this podcast Uh, in particular I guess we want to today talk a little bit about this thing that we call it seed redemptive design and it's a particular approach to Christian formation and discipleship that we think is really important for the church right now and we want to talk a bit about what it is why it exists how it works because that sits at the foundation of our work to grow people to have a redemptive impact in society 
And so I've got two of my absolute favourite people here with me today, Michelle and Ant, and each of them have been part of the story of Seed since it started and continue to be part of the story of Seed. So I thought a conversation with them would just be a really rich way to try and unpack some of that stuff for all of you today. So let me introduce, we'll let them introduce themselves to you. So Michelle, let's throw you first. Great to be here. Great to have you with us. Tell us a bit about what you do and your connection with Seed. Thanks, JV. It's really fun to be here. And you're talking about this podcast being about chatting to all these amazing people. And so it's great to have two of the most amazing people first up. So thanks. Feeling really special (laughs) today. Uh, so I, uh, what do I do? So I, um, I'm, well, I'm married, uh, to Bruce with a couple of primary school age kids, um, currently live in Melbourne, previously Sydney, uh, where we hung out, uh, at the same church for a while, JB. And I am a co-director of a coaching and consulting organization. We do sort of leadership development and team development work, one-on-one coaching, uh, and I also kind of have a bit of a branding background, communications background as well. So quite a, um, uh, yeah, eclectic mix of fun things that I do with uh, different organisations, a lot of not-for-profits as well. And so my connection to Seed is that I am currently on the board and I'm the chair of the board. So that means I get to chat to you a lot, JB, and uh, get to kind of track with uh, with how Seed is changing and evolving and growing uh, as you know, some exciting things are happening. So it's a real privilege really to be able to be part of um, that part of the organisation in terms of governance and uh, just encouraging you and the team with what you're doing in terms of what God's up to. And we're super appreciative of all of that, obviously. Um, but yeah, I want to cycle back around and talk a little bit about the things that you're passionate about and the work that you do with the Future Lead Group as well. And um, yeah, and how these these concepts apply in your own life. But over to you, Ant. Ant, do you want to introduce yourself as well? Sure. It's a pleasure to be with you as well. Uh, I belong to Karen and uh, my wife and to Jake, my son, uh, who's married to Trista, and they've got two wonderful children, so I'm a granddad. And uh, Vinny and Maeve are my grandkids, and also I have a daughter, Bethany. Yeah, they're the people I call home, uh, and I'm really privileged to uh, be a part of Seed and have been a part of the journey of Seed for some time. Uh, my background is really um, going way back, but only just for purposes of making a point. Um, for me, even becoming a Christian later in life, uh, I became a Christian not necessarily through uh, what you would expect as maybe the traditional forms of hearing the gospel preached or presented in some way, but uh, rather I came uh, to know Christ through relationship with other people who were Christians and who were very different to anyone else I'd encountered. It was their lives that actually was the first Bible that I read. Um, rather than actually hearing uh, any form of evangelical message, it was seeing people who were living a very... Uh, embodied life of their faith and what their faith meant in their lived lives. And so I became a Christian, as did my wife later in life. And so for me, Christian faith was always about uh, our lives and how we live our lives. And so not long after becoming a Christian, found myself sort of stepping out of a career into Bible college, uh, got involved in a church where I was uh, leading community ministries, uh, trying to understand how the gospel and how this faith that I was coming to know translated in the community, uh, how people could come to know Jesus 
who would possibly never darken the door of a church. Mm. Uh, but they would if we were relevant to them in their situation. And so for me, it was about becoming relevant in their lounge room rather than them necessarily coming to church. And that was, uh, I was blessed to be a part of a church that said, let's have a go at that. And we created a lot of community ministries I was privileged to be a part of. And then uh, went from that into international ministry where I had the privilege of working for 11 years in international aid and development and seeing how uh, the Christian faith translates into all kinds of contexts, mostly poverty contexts and disaster contexts. But then now back in Australia, I had the privilege of being journeying with you, JB, for a while, uh, thinking about seed predominantly through the lens, I suppose, of formation. Uh, having been involved in kind of full-time Christian work, I was seeing a lot of people of faith not necessarily growing in their service, not growing... They're growing in their service, but they weren't growing in their relationship with God. And I see a lot of train wrecks was one of those train wrecks of uh, burnout and of just losing uh, your way in ministry and realising how important formation is in that journey. And so for me, JB, when you started talking about the importance of formation as you're creating impact, I was in. I was on board for that immediately. Uh, and have been, it's been a privilege, firstly, to be on the board and then to come over and join the staff cohort and is in one of the leaders of the, of the small team that we have and start to journey with people full-time. Uh, it's been an incredible privilege and a lovely extension of what God's been doing in my life, in me, and uh, in giftings he's given me. So that interaction between uh, the, th- the things that people do in their service of the world and the service of Jesus and then um, who they're becoming in terms of their the formation of their faith and the strengthening of that faith obviously lies at the heart of so much of what we do. But let me, I guess, unpack for the people who are listening a little bit of the backstory to that and then I want to come back with both of you and just talk about talk around those ideas a little bit and why we collectively think they're really important. But the story, I guess, for me... I mean, it starts way back, but I'll only I'll go back as far as some study that I did early 2000s, a place called Regent College in Canada, and at the DNA, the heartbeat of uh, Regent has always been whole, what you call whole of life discipleship, right? So, not just well, you know I believe in Jesus, I'm saved, but how does this foundation of faith actually express itself in the whole of my life and 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 how does it act as a foundation for everything that I do and all the decisions that I make, right? And I remember sitting in a big auditorium, you know, probably 10 metre high ceilings, first session at Regent and there were these six big banners hung up on the wall, right? And they talked to them as the, they talked about them as the the frames of the narrative of the Christian story and I was just like, what are you, I don't even know what you're talking about, right? <laughs> it probably took me a year and a half to even understand the language that they were using. But what, what effectively they were trying to do, and it's something that we're trying to do through Seed now, is to try and flip the script a little bit on that notion again that most of the, not most, a lot of the stuff that we do in the church focuses in on this idea that, okay, you as an individual human being have to work out what you believe and if you believe that you know Jesus is um, who he says he is then you invite him into your life and you're saved and you get to heaven and and you see how that puts the focus of the story on you as the individual and what region I guess taught me and what we're trying to then pass on is 
is the much bigger reality that no, this is God's world. God created it. So God's story is the primary story. And so rather than us inviting God into our story, we find our place and our purpose within the story of God and what God is doing in the world. And so later on in that experience of study, I I had another experience connected to the Asian tsunami in 2004, Boxing Day. Most of you will remember. Um, Just untold devastation. I was on a ski hill in Canada having a fantastic Christmas and then, you know, walk in on Boxing Day to the, the TV and see these images coming through the TV. And, and the big question that prompted in me at that point in time was what is, what is my responsibility when there's devastation like that going on in the world? Somebody's got a part to play. Somebody has to do something about this, but is it my job to do something about it? And me finding myself there, as someone who's pretty well trained, right, been a Christian most of my life, I don't even have a framework to work out whether I'm meant to do anything about that. And so I went down this path of writing a thesis on the global responsibility of individual believers. Like, how do we work out what we're meant to do in the world effectively in a world where there is so much need? And what I guess I discovered there is, is the idea that you can't look at a problem and answer that question because there are so many problems in the world. All you're going to do is burn yourself out or certainly not going to find answers. And it doesn't seem like the Bible actually gives answers in that way either. What it does do is it talks a lot about questions of identity. Who are you? Who are we as God's people? Um, And it talks a a lot about where are you? And so these two questions of identity... Who has God made you to be in context? Where has God placed you? Are these foundational questions? And I guess the sense that we have and the driving force behind a lot of what we do at Seed is, well, can you actually try and discern what your part is in God's story by working out who he has particularly made you to be and working out where he has called you or placed you and from that foundation then work out what is God's design for you in that place and what is God's design for that place and if we can work those things out we don't need to solve the world's problems we don't have to have all the answers don't have to love the whole world actually God never tells us to love the whole world we can sort of simplify things and just say okay I understand God what you intend for me and what you intend for the place where you've put me and I want to try and work to align myself and my place with what you intend and I believe that as I do that both me and that place will flourish and that just I guess we think releases you to just receive the grace of God in the place where you are and try and be faithful to it and that as you live that way then you'll start to experience something of the blessing of God. So that's one of the core ideas behind what we're trying to do and I guess I want to throw to you Ant because I know that some of that has resonated with you as you've kind of thought about Seed and what we're doing at Seed and as you now work with Seed and I guess I want to ask something uh, for you to reflect on your first interactions with some of those ideas and what was it that kind of drew your interest? Yeah. Yeah, look, I think for me what drew my interest was what you just said there at the end, which is a kind of, for me, it translates as a massive pressure off. This is God's work. 
that we're participating in. It's God's world in which he has designed and his purposes are at play. Uh, I, I think when we go into, into ministry, and even this as we move in our faith, so often when we apply ourselves to ministry, we, we seem to want to own it. We, we seem to apply our own intelligence to it. And, our, and that's important that we bring our intelligence and our skill sets. But they seem to take a prominence and God almost becomes a, a co-worker or a, you know, dig me out of this hole I'm in right now. And otherwise we go along in our own classic Australian self-sufficient way. Uh, and there was a lot that was, you know, big questions were coming for me about the sustainability of, of serving God in a world where you do feel highly responsible to have an impact, mm. that your faith should mean something and that the church should step up in all these uh, various ways in which it's kind of been mandated to do. And as a leader in that, you're just thinking, well, I've got to push that and I've got to make that happen. And so quickly, I think for many, particularly vocational Christian workers, but even uh, just normal Christians, there's a separation of what I do for God and my own personal journey with God. Yeah, yeah. And that, that is such a dangerous place because we then go into, I think we fall for, this is, is dependent upon me, rather than that listening and resting and, and actually abiding in God and therefore plugging into His Holy Spirit and His purposes and being aligned to that. And the word you use, discernment, being able to discern His will. Mm. Um, in whatever you're applying yourself to, whether you're confronted by something as large as a tsunami and significant suffering like that, or you've got a loved one who's just wrestling with depression. Yeah. And just a feeling of like, I feel helpless, I don't know what to do. Yet, I think when you start to understand the relationship between who I am in God and the fact that God is at work and He goes before me, and whatever I encounter that I'm going to try and do something about as a change maker, entirely rests in his strength, in his purposes, and I just need to discern what he's doing in getting in the way of that. It's really quite liberating. Yeah, super counterintuitive, right? I mean, I, want, I see a problem, I want to chase after it, I want to... And you think, okay, well, essentially, I think what we're saying is you almost turn the other way and run the other way, right? Um, but that in running the other way to back to God and God's grace that in some strange mystery of the way God's economy is set up, that that actually leads to us being more effective. Yeah, in your weakness. Yeah. Um, I guess the, you take that a little bit further. So we've got this idea of being faithful in all of life, um, and it's sort of builds off what we're just saying. Again, a bit counterintuitive, but... In, in the sense that you're trying to align your life and then your context with what God desires and what we've got with God's intention, you actually get to a point where that response of faithfulness requires you to be a change maker. Because if you step into the world each day, and whether that's into the world of um, architecture or finance or carpentry or education or your local school community, whatever it might be, if you step into that world, you recognise very quickly that that world lives by a very different story to the Jesus story, right? Lives by a very different way to the way of Jesus. And that's a hard place to be. And 
you very quickly realise you need the skills to be a change maker in that space, to understand how to respond, right? And I think we recognised in the early days of Seed that there's a lack of resources to help people with that challenge and um, with that movement. There's a, there's a real gap in the church, right? The classic for me is you speak to people who see the marketplace as their mission field and... You know, they go to a marketplace marketplace breakfast at their church and, you know, they get an inspirational story from a leader um, in the marketplace and they say the marketplace is your mission field. Put your hand up if you want to go and change the world for Jesus and everyone puts their hands up and they go off into the world and then next year, the same weekend, they get invited to <laughs> another marketplace yeah. leader's breakfast and they get the same talk and they say go again, right? But actually it's in the day-to-day grind of how... You take that desire to be a witness for Jesus in the marketplace and, and, and work through the realities of the challenges every day and navigate through that, those challenges. That's where the real um, rubber hits the road, I guess. And where, where pastors are doing an amazing job of teaching you the Bible and, and, and supporting you in your faith, but just didn't have the resources to take it that step further and say, I actually want to get into the nitty gritty with you of how you bring redemptive influence into the place where God has you. And people feeling really alone in that place, and that's not a good place to be left alone, right? And I think that's the other part of why we launched Seed into the world. And then out of Seed grew this idea of redemptive design because you not only just need a community to support you, but you need the tools and the frameworks and the processes to be able to work through all of that together. And so I guess I want to then come back to you, Michelle, because I know... Um, for you, that idea of investing in people, um, in the skills that they have for leadership and, and the idea of being an impact in the world was really kind of important for you and in our early conversations. So similar question to you, I guess, what is it, what is it about all of that that we were talking about in the early days that drew you in and thought, yeah, this is an important thing that I need to be part of? Yeah. Good question. I mean, I, I resonate with everything you both have said, uh, and I'm just, you know, thinking back to that stage where we're having the initial chats. And I think it'd be fair to say, JB, it was a bit of a germ of an idea. So, uh, you know, I was sort of hooking on to what you were starting to ruminate around. And I think, if I'm honest, I think to, it probably was more around the the change making, the doing outside of ministry that really got me most excited to start with Mm. uh so i you know reflect on my own personality and the way i'm wired and i'm very much a think do think do think do type person (laughs) so and and i grew up with parents in ministry and i guess the message i interpreted often from the churches that i've been in is that look they were pretty clear around going into the marketplace and that being really valued but what you saw was the people who were honoured and seemed to have voice were those in ministry. So I think what I loved about the early ideas of Seed and I think what has energised me uh, as we've seen um, Seed plant seeds in a whole range of different contexts is that we're seeing people living out their faith in such fresh different ways, surprising ways that is outside the church. And, you know, interestingly, the 
trajectory, if we're honest, around um, the church's role in society has really shifted in that time too. So mm-hmm. I think back to when I was university age um, 20 odd years ago and also being, I'll be honest, being a f- young female who had ambition yeah. <laughs> to do something outside of the church and want a career was really unusual in the little Baptist, contemporary Baptist context I was in. They weren't asking women to wear hats, but I was just, you know, it wasn't a normal thing. Most of the other women were going into other careers or, um, you know, literally sat in small groups where it's like, I can't wait to meet my husband so then I don't have to worry about my spiritual life. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Or you're sitting sitting there with, (laughs) well, if it's not quite that bad, then it's like, (laughs) oh, you've got 10 people in your group and there's, you know, five nurses and four teachers and yourself, right? (laughs) And I'm doing public relations. What the heck? (laughs) So, so dangerous and, uh, concerning. Uh, yeah. So, so that probably, I think the kind of what you've talked about, I mean, I wish I had it right. Because I think I had pastors who, and, you know, um, other Christians who I really admired who encouraged me, but exactly to your point around off you go, yeah. go well, and just such a disconnect between the being and doing. So what I often would hear is it's not about what you do, it's who you are. Mm. And it's really hard for someone who's doing orientated to really understand that. It's terrifying, this idea yeah. of just yeah. being. So I think what I've come to grow to love in Seed is the way that you can trust the process, which as a consultant is a really big deal, right? Trusting a process that actually interlinks those two. So it's not one or the other. It just felt like such a, it had to be a dichotomy. You're either being and doing a really good job of that, just being immersed in the spirit or you're doing and you're just feeling guilty for not spending time in your Bible. Whereas, you know, the way that as you've articulated, it's kind of the the doing flows out of the being and then you come back to the being and you're sitting and it just feels so much more um, possible yeah. and energizing well, rather we, than the guilt-laden yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, we first met, didn't we, Michelle? I mean, you know, when I was national director at MICA Australia, MICA Challenge, and um, and and there, I think the heart of what we were trying to do is say, okay, well, you know, we want to change policy around Australia's response to global po- issues of global poverty, but we also want to form uh, Australian Christians into people who, you know, do something about issues of global poverty. And there was always this um, almost a battle between the two. And I think um, part of the genesis of Seed, again, was out of that context, I think, um, you know, we'd seen this possibility that you could do formation out on the field. Uh, You could do it at the coalface. You know, we took 350 young, old people to Canberra for four days and put them in front of politicians, federal politicians, and said, talk about the big global issues with our national leaders. And in the context of that deep interaction with like the Bible and with what it has to say about issues of justice and just seeing people's faith come alive because suddenly faith makes a difference in the world, right? And and, and if you think about our formation, maybe we'll come back to this, but so much of it is done um, within the walls, with the doors closed, in our bedroom, with our Bibles open, so. you know, all good things. But what does it look like to 
break that outside the walls and to say, well, actually, when you're, when you're um, as a finance person, when you're, you're making a deal and you're sitting across the table with someone who just wants to rip the resources out of our, you know, out of the land and and you've got to make a call about what does God's story say to me about what decision I make in this moment well that's like that brings faith alive right so so I think I guess segue out of that into just talking a little bit about this idea of redemptive design and and really I guess that's the heart of that process that you're talking about Michelle where we're trying to connect in this idea of formation and discipleship with the idea of design what do we mean by that just simply that our belief system needs to turn into tangible expression in the world and when you take what you believe and turn it into something that people can touch and taste and feel and see what does that process look like and actually that process of creating expressions of of this Christian story in the world is such a deep formation experience right and so we're trying to connect those two things together the being and the doing and saying in that in there there's some there's some magic there just listening to both of you it reminds me of a story when i was back in ministry um responsible in a church for mission and that was my 100 percent responsibility was to encourage our you know our congregation to be thinking about how they served god in the world and and i remember preaching one time and kind of under that mandate of, you know, kind of don't you know, move beyond your personal faith into a faith that's lived in the world. And I remember when a, uh, a very close friend of mine sort of approached me at the door, you're doing the old see you later, uh, stance at the door as the pastor. And he just said, uh, and he said I'm, I'm frustrated, Ant. I'm really frustrated. Uh, he said, I just listen to you and I get it. And you keep coming at me with, I've got to get out of these four walls and I've got to, uh, understand how to serve God in the world. And, and, and the underlying message is I've either got to go to Africa, mm-hmm. I've got to sell my house and everything I own, uh, and I've got to go to Bible college. Like, yeah. And I, I just remember thinking, I, I think you're right. I think that's, I, I haven't made it clear that as he said, like, I'm a great businessman. I believe God's enabled me to be a great businessman. You've given me no tools mm-hmm. to actually go and understand how as a businessman, I can represent Jesus in the marketplace. And I just remember just being floored by that uh, and thinking that somehow there was this default message even in my subconscious that to take God seriously, you're off to Bible college or you're off to the mission field. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing about redemptive design and what we're trying to do with it is to enable the church to have a whole other set of tools Mm -hmm. to help people who are in the marketplace to understand how they can live out their faith fully in the marketplace. Well, it's the whole thing, you know, we're talking about Micah and just remember, oh man, I got to a point where I absolutely loved what I did, right? It was a sweet spot for me. And yet I was just like, what I'm doing over and over again is, yeah, saying I'm investing in the formation of these people, but then I'm just inviting them to come and join my cause. Like that's the expression of it. Come join my cause. And that's what a plethora of amazing organisations who we partner with, come join our cause, come join our cause, come join our cause. Or we've got a pathway for you to 
serve our church through worship ministry or through a small group ministry or, you know, we've got a medical ministry or a teaching ministry or a school that you can be part of. So there's these set pathways, but then there's this whole 80% of our population in churches that we don't have a pathway for, right? Mm. We say, you go, serve God where you are, but we don't have the tools in the pathway. And I think that's for us where redemptive designs become a really important piece. So tell us a bit about the, you know, what's developed there, what is it, how does it work? Yeah, look, essentially it is tools. It's, it's, an, it's tools that help a person first understand their story. And I think that's absolutely critical. You, talk, you talked uh, quite a lot earlier on about God's story, and it's about understanding God's story, but it's also our story that fits into God's story. And so it's, it's helping people understand their purpose, understand who they are in God. And uh, so, and what we're learning a lot about design uh, is that story is critically important to design, even in a secular sense, it's not just in a Christian sense, but for us there's the additional dynamic of them understanding their story inside of God's story. From there we go from story to imagination. And so often in design we'll we may tend to lean toward the pragmatic elements of let's go and uh, put this service in place um, or let's go and build this thing without first taking time to discern and imagine what God could do about that problem and taking more of a solution focus to it rather than going from the deficit, from the problem, which often we go into a problem solving mode, uh, which I don't think necessarily opens us up to all the possibilities that we'll discover in a solution-focused approach. So imagination and tools that help the imagination be engaged and suggest to the person you have the agency in God to play a part in the systems that create the issues that you're troubled by. Mm. And so then let's imagine a theory of change. How might we move people that are that are bound in a certain situation to an imagined future that is full of the promises that God has has designed for them and them becoming who they were created to be. From there, then, it's about building the tools around that idea, that solution, and what you're discerning God is doing uh, to put in the kind of concretized tools that help them gather up the data that they need to gather the information, to have the dialogue they need to have with stakeholders, uh, even just with their own team of people that are helping them with their idea, uh, to put in place the kind of model that's going to best achieve the change that they want to drive. So that could come down to business modelling. It will certainly come down to being really uh, human-centred in that design, thinking and listening to the people that you're actually trying to uh, create the change with. So understand their perspective, understand the assets that they have at hand and be able to leverage a lot of that toward the solution that you're working on. So it's never a... It's never a single individual person's cause as much as it is understand all that's in play in that landscape around the change that you're trying to create, what are the systems that are at play, who's already trying to do something about that, and how can you collaboratively contribute to a, a picture mm. that is what God has designed for that particular situation. So that, that many of those are tools that we know well in design, and they'll lead through to uh, business models, they'll lead through to different strategies and planning tools uh, that will help you actually put in place the steps that are required to create the change. 
I think that's the beauty of it that we've experienced, right? The privilege of working people through this process is is really seeing the idea that you could follow the way of Jesus and make a difference in the world turn into actually we can step you through the process and see that come to reality right and I think if, if I was to package all that up what we're what we're trying to do is to say we'll help you embody the way of Jesus where you are and create tangible expressions that bring that to a life to life where you are so that the people that you serve where you are can experience something of the way of Jesus and then encounter the person of Jesus as we do that and that's a that's been an enormous privilege I want to ask you Michelle because you you think at a strategic level um, I think you have amazing insights um, into you know the world and particular world of work but then how church interacts with that but what's your sense of why what we're doing is important, right? Lots of amazing churches and people out there doing amazing things in the discipleship space. And we wouldn't be doing what we're doing if we didn't think it it mattered. Um, what's your sense of why it matters and why it's important? Hmm. Yeah, I think, and I think that's worth saying up front, isn't it? You know, that it's not, that what Seed is doing is not to replace church or say that church is doing it all wrong. So no. that's worth just saying up front. I think sometimes um, that can be interpreted a certain way. I think that the church as a whole is um, is working really hard and really paying attention to what God is doing. And, and I see, you know, a lot of um, focus in on discipleship and really helping people um, follow Jesus more fully, uh, which is great and important and needs to continue. I think where seed can partner and and take things uh, in perhaps a, to a different level is around the fact that let's you know, as I mentioned earlier, I think let's be honest, um, the way that church used to be at the center of society has really shifted, mm. really shifted mm. um, in the past few decades but it just seems like on an exponential rise just you know, sped and I, up you know, in the last few really years right yeah sped up and you know i work with i know a lot of um christian parachurch or not-for-profits who are really wrestling with that um i guess what you might call secularization of society mm-hmm. in terms of what they do and how what they feel called to the brilliance of seed is that that actually doesn't scare us and i think you know it's really easy to go into fear mode around yeah, that yeah. shift and see that as an us and them and we dig our heels in deeper and um, perhaps go more into the cocoon of our little Christian bubble. And so I think the brilliance of seed and why it's important is that it's it's the flip side of that. It's actually going, no, this is an opportunity, right? This is where we see Jesus at work and um, this is where we see followers of Jesus um, trying new things, you know, almost in a way the shackles are off. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we're not in a position of power anymore. Uh, not that we maybe were completely either and not that we were abusing that necessarily, although I think there are probably yeah. quite a few cases where, where the church is not voted well and as yeah. Christians we've got a great reputation, don't we? Um, but in a way we can have a bit of freedom and that's what I love about, you know, what you just walked us through, at that idea of imagination and story 
and the secret ingredient or maybe not so secret of the spirit at work and what Jesus could be up to and it's not just all sitting on us um, with seeds. So I think I think there's that context that we're in and also just think we're seeing, you know, such with each generation there's a different way of seeing the world, I think, that kind of shapes us based on how we're parented and what the technology is at the time and um, what the environment is, you know, pandemic will shape this generation well and truly. But I think what we're seeing is not to say that us in our 40s and above are, you know, um, not seeing it this way, but certainly what I am hearing and noticing in our under 40s is that there's a desire to make a difference, you know, Gen, Gen Y, um, really wanted to make an impact in the world that's exponentially increased with Gen Z mm-hmm. our under 25s and this almost expectation that the world doesn't have to stay the way it is that my voice matters and what I can contribute is important and and so I guess with that posture towards going we don't have to settle for the way things are we look at um, these amazing women like Grace Tame and what they've done in the last 12 months to shake up the way that we see how things should be um and but then we marry that with this deeper sense of of purpose and where Jesus has placed us and actually do that deeper work around what does it mean to show up in this way and marry that with this kind of perhaps um yeah more of a a posture and a desire that's bubbling up in all of us I think who see as we read the bible as we hear stories of amazing followers of Jesus over the years and the change that is possible to then have a process to lean into to trust that to um allow the imagination just to bubble up and not feel like we have to control it and Mm -hmm. do it all ourselves is that's truly energizing i think there's a massive gap for that in our context here in australia and globally i would say as well and i think that's the bit where um where seed is important and that's the bit where we're starting to see those experiences bubble up and I think you know that is at its heart the priesthood of all believers you know that's actually going yeah who we're called to be in our context uh, is important no matter whether that's leading a men's ministry or a small group or being an amazing accountant and um, being a a, um, careful communications expert or whatever it might be in your own context that is important and and maybe people will gather together around those contexts and encourage and excite and imagine together you know and that that excites me too to see what this could look like to um, shift the way um, we uh, I guess are engaging with the world ourselves and I think when people know it's not all about I don't think um, everyone going oh wow Christians are cool and I think sometimes, again, that's a yeah. danger, right? Oh, you yeah. know, I'm hip and cool. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, so it's not that. It, but it is, I think, about surprising people going, oh, that's what it looks like to follow mm. the so-called Jesus. Right. That is not what I had in my head. And that surprising element to me is so energizing because that's the kind of Jesus I follow and that's the kind of faith I want to be living out. And to see others doing that too is yeah, incredibly inspiring and energizing and um, 
and those stories being shared and as you're doing, you know, in this podcast and, and with all the seed community are the ones that are going to keep us running the race, I think, to yeah. the end. Yeah. Well, you both, I think, would have heard me talk about um, this idea that uh, I mentioned it before. You, you, you get out of bed each day, you step into the world. Um, the Bible tells us you are a new creation, right? That you've been designated by God with a new identity and God's given you the grace through Jesus to live into that new reality, right? In sure, we're going to fail. That's where the grace of Jesus is is so abundant. But we are new creations and if we choose not to live in alignment with that well, we're actually living out of alignment with our new identity right and i think what scripture talks about is is that you know, if you step into the world and you're seeking to live in alignment with that new identity as a new creation so you have changed through grace and now you live differently in the world then that's the place where you'll experience blessing and yet you as I said, step into a world that lives by a very different story. And this, I think what you're saying, Michelle, is there's a, cl- there's a clash between those two stories each day. And that could be something that we're really afraid of because you know, there's, you know, when two things clash, there's heat, there's friction, there's tension, right? But actually, when you think about two things clashing, there's this heightened moment of possibility where everybody asks the question, why are they clashing? What's different? And that surprising moment that you're talking about is actually a huge opportunity for the beauty of the way of Jesus to pop into the world in that moment and for us to go, yeah, it's different. Mm. Yeah, and this is why it's surprising and we're embodying a different way. And sure, some people will turn their back on that, but a whole bunch of people we think will will say, yeah, there's beauty in that. And we want something of what you've just brought to us and we want to experience something of that as well. And, And the language that we sometimes use is trying to restore a humble confidence in the people of God that there is something of infinite value within what we bring to the world as we embody the way of Jesus. Mm. And can you I don't, um, make this tangible for us? Mm. Um, you you work e- each and every day. You've just come today. I know you're a bit late here because you had three or four people that you're working through this process with even today coaching them through this process can you give us a couple of stories that that you love that are kind of expressions of what we're talking about yeah i'd love to um and it is such an incredible privilege to to walk with people uh, with tools that they can utilize to bring to life something they have an intuition about or a deep passion for, some of them have sat on it for many, many years. And this has been the first opportunity that they've had uh, because they've heard about an, uh, you know, a seeds incubator or uh, they've seen somebody come through the, our incubator or other programs and have seen, wait a minute, you're saying that I could, I could take my idea through that process. But rather than telling a story, I think, you know, of success, which, you know, I think there are a number of wonderful stories we could tell where Redemptive Designers has created a space for, for someone to do something quite wonderful. It's created the tools and the platform for them to mobilise. I'd rather talk about somebody whom I think use the tools to really shape their family life. So they, 
they came to us with a very clear idea. It was an international idea. They had all the capabilities to do it, both professionally trained in the fields that they needed to be trained in to deliver the kind of change in the Pacific. And it was a beautiful idea. Um, it was uh, really innovative and very clever, and I was very excited to work with them. Um, and that was in sort of uh, February of 2020. They were ready to go. They had already set up uh, their return to the Pacific Island. They were going to do the work in, uh, and it was a matter of designing uh, the, the work they were going to do. Uh, however, as we know, March 2020 hit and COVID hit, and it really decimated any possibility that they were going to be returning to the Pacific anytime soon. And so we just stuck to the program, which was much of what we're just talking about. It was about the cultivation of imagination. It was about the facilitation of collective action. It was about plugging into and leveraging our know-how and connecting that with courage and compassion. Mm -hmm. And for them, that was about who are we in God in a COVID world when we're locked down in Australia? What are our capabilities? What are our networks? And what are the things that concern us about uh, in our immediate context where we have assets and capabilities to make a difference? And so they actually stayed in the incubator. I think most would have said, look, we're gonna, we'll tap out and we'll come back when COVID's done. You know, a lot of us were thinking in those early days, oh, you know, six months. So they could have easily just said, yeah, we'll be back next year. Yeah. Uh, and that would have been fine. But what they did was stay in the process and they stayed faithful to the responsibility to understand who God is calling them to be wherever they are and wherever they find themselves. And they developed an idea and worked on an idea that really flowed out of their entire family. So it started out with just Frank being with us and then uh, Sue joined and then even their children become involved in them understanding who they were as a family in the, uh, in the suburban context that they found themselves in and just uh, ministering to the people that were coming to them. And to me, I was deeply moved by that because they came out with an incredibly rich idea that was not so much about success. Yeah. It was about faithfulness. It was about a, an absolute commitment to serving God with everything that they had at hand. And I... I I believe that they're going to have a tremendous impact both in the region that they're in right now, but also longer term, I believe God will honour that faithfulness in terms of their heart and passion for the Pacific as well. And there was so much I learnt from them, watching them apply uh, design uh, tools from an international, you know, quite complex ministry uh, and work. It was in agricultural work and, and occupational therapy to shift that to caring for people in loneliness who are going through difficult times and creating a space and environment to minister and bless them there and then. Yeah. And uh, I was incredibly moving to listen to their pitch and have those who mattered most to them around them uh, in tears listening to their vision to use the assets they had. And to me, I genuinely believe God was going to honour that yeah. in them. Not so much about... Uh, the great things they were going to do, but their faithfulness to serve God. So it's, that, it's going back to where we started, right? And when I started telling the story of the backstory of Seed, right? It's a question, well, who are we? 
where are we right now? What's our context? Can we imagine a, a possibility of a different future that's more aligned in our community with what God intends? And then what does it look like to be faithful to that and, and to step into that? Um, yeah, and look, uh, if you, as you engage with this podcast, what you're going to get through this first series are some amazing people, uh, some who've had great successes, some who've had what we would look on in a secular, worldly sense and say failures, but uh, a deep insight into their stories. You're going to get people who've worked in the digital space, uh, people who've run businesses but ended up you know, broken in the midst of that. You've got stories of people who are working in the arts, people who are working in social research and, and just every one of them is a story of a, I want to follow Jesus and I want to be part of bringing some sort of redemptive influence where we are. So I really hope that you uh, have, have have found some richness in the conversation today, but that also you'll, uh, as you listen, you'll be um, inspired just to come and hear some of these stories and reflect on those stories and learn from those stories. But before we wrap up, I guess I want to ask both of you a question um, as we look to the future now. Um I guess a little bit as you reflect back on your own story of formation, but primarily as you as you look to the future, what are what are your hopes for the future? We have, a, I guess, a vision and a dream at Seed that we would um, embed this new approach to formation amongst God's people, so that we can see a real movement of Christians at the at the forefront of redemptive change in society. That uh, there's a humble confidence as people do that, and a sense that we're together in that. Um, we think that's a beautiful picture, but for you personally, what what do you hope for and see for the future? Michelle, why don't you kick us off? Mm. Yeah, I think for me, you know, going back to what I was sharing earlier around the be or do, and so I think the be and do mm. uh, being intertwined for me personally, but to see that in many others living out their faith in a um, in a truly authentic, messy, imaginative way. I, that to me is most energizing and exciting. Mm-hmm. And and you know, as I mentioned, I do branding, so a lot of my work is about building a brand for an organization. But I think in this case, I, I hope that you're on the same page, uh, JB. But I don't think it's about building the seed brand. You know, no, in no. any way. So when I, you know think about what is the future it's like this actual wildfire of uh people um being truly um alive Mm. to who it is they're created to be wherever they are and just seeing these spot fires everywhere around not just australia i really hope beyond and even you know with ant sharing about the pacific and and you know who knows where this will will go but to me that that is the most energizing thing the the sense of what god is up to and that people are actually awake enough to pay attention to it and to lean into it and Mm -hmm. run with it um so those surprising ways um that people are uh showing jesus to the world and and then others are hopefully experiencing that that to me is is uh what keeps me engaged and energized around the seed journey 
because I mean we'd all have stories and examples that we could tell right but that's just it's beautiful when you see that isn't it when you see someone come alive in their faith um, and I guess that imagery that's so powerful for us of this of seeds that uh, you know that God is planting and has planted seeds in each one of his people and to see them um, coming alive and new life right a seed fundamentally is the foundation for new life and new expression and for those expressions of new life to pop up around the places is uh, a beautiful picture how about you Anne? yeah look I think to to add on to something Michelle was saying before, I think we can come across with a, um, an organisation like Seed to be um, somehow um, making up for a deficit in the church. That's not at all uh, what we're about. I think one of the things I hope most for in the future is that the testimony of Seed will be that we're a servant to the church, mm. um, that there are many uh, churches who uh, desire to see their people grow uh, in ways that they themselves don't feel adequate sometimes to to assist them in and that we would appear and come alongside of them and serve the church well as a as a servant uh, to the to what god's doing through the church that's really important to me uh, the other piece is the international expression of seed um, i think we've seen positive results in the philippines in nepal uh, in india and uh, we've got interest in other parts of the world as well as in Europe. And it's just exciting to think that we're, we're putting tools out there that are accessible to communities in the Philippines who are thinking about developing enterprises that are going to bring social change and kingdom change. We're working with NGOs in Nepal. We're connecting with individuals all around the world who, as you've said, ultimately take that seed of the ability to understand and discern what God is doing and get in the way of his purposes. Mm. Uh, that to me is, it's been wonderful to imagine it for Australia and see God open it up to other parts of the world. Yeah, awesome. Beautiful pictures. Both of you, I want to say a massive thank you for both of you for taking the time today and for all that you contribute into into people's lives and into uh, the church, not only through seed but through all the other things you do as well. And, uh, yeah, to everyone who's listening, just hope that you follow along on the journey, right? And we, uh, our desire is to tell these stories in a way that inspires you, I guess, yeah, inspires definitely, but also... Uh, yeah, it gives you a sense that this is God at work through ordinary people's lives, right? And um, that actually we believe that every follower of Jesus is called to be an agent for redemptive change in the place where God has you. It doesn't. Who gives us stuff, whether that's big or small in the eyes of the world it's about being faithful to what god where god has placed you and seeking to bring that to life where you are so we hope that these stories that we share with you um, through this podcast will be uh, an encouragement and inspiration to you on your journey thanks for listening for more information about seed head to seed.org.au